Okay, sit in that chair. All right, here's the deal. Marshmallow, for you. You can either wait, and I'll give you another one if you wait, or you can eat it now. When I come back, I'll give you two, another one. So then you'll have two. But stay in here and stay in the chair till I come back, okay? okay. All right. Do something and then I'll come back. It smells yummy. Uh, it smells What a struggle. My favorite was the girl who had no conscience and ate it while the instructions were being given. <clears throat> that was awesome. Not even done. You can wait. No, I'm going to eat it right now. Why should I even bother? That was tremendous. Hey, welcome to A Fighting Chance, part one of three, a mini-series in which we are going to be looking at the issue of, of trying to fight uh, the issue of temptation. And what a struggle. What a struggle that it is to do that. Um, and by the way, my hope for you in this series is uh, three things. Number one, that we can understand the nature of temptation. Number two, that we can be given tools to help fight it. 
And number three, that I can kind of renew your hope that it's worth the battle. Okay, that's all I hope for, that we can understand it in a new way, that you can be given tools. And number three, that you can have your hope renewed, that you can have a fighting chance to get over some things that have been really kind of working you over. Now, when we think about temptation, uh, I don't know what you think about, I don't know if you're sitting here thinking, I don't even know if I have a lot of temptation, man, I've really got stuff going on. Or if you're thinking temptation is for the guy next to me, or my sister is dealing with that, or my uncle has got stuff going on, and you know, I know about my boss, he's got some stuff that he needs to work on. All right, just to try to offend everybody here equally, all right? I'm talking about temptations to worry, temptations to gossip, temptations to be angry, impatient, to believe the worst about people, to have no faith, temptations to refuse to apologize, temptations for sexual immorality, for alcoholic excess, for gambling addictions, temptations to overspend, temptations to live in debt, temptations to lie to our parents, to hide our true selves, to cover our weaknesses, to ignore warning signs that we should listen to. Temptations to cut the corners at work, to be lazy in personal disciplines, temptations to hold a grudge, temptations to overwork, to be perfectionistic, to try to manipulate and control people and environments, temptations to fake friendships so as to avoid conflict, temptations to go along with the crowd, to listen to whatever you want, to watch whatever you want, to do whatever you want online, to post and comment on social media as you would like without thought to create even false social media profiles, to do something separate from what your parents might see. Temptations to live in fear, to live in doubt. Temptation to live out someone else's expectations on your life when you're afraid that being you isn't good enough. Temptations to blame the government, to blame your family, or to blame yourself. Temptation to hoard, temptation to curse, temptation to flatter, or the temptation to think that you don't have any temptations. Did I cover everybody? Is there anything that I've missed? Do we all equally feel slightly offended or bothered that perhaps we're talking about things that are common to the human race and to the human experience? Temptation, as I'm going to work it out here with you, I'm going to define this way. Temptation is an alluring trap designed for your failure. I want you to remember that if you can. Temptation is an alluring trap. If you want to put it another way, temptation is a beautiful trap set for your failure. But it is absolutely designed for your worst, not for your best. The trap says, come to me, come to me, come to me. It's going to be great. But you know on the back end, it ends up in your failure. If you're a Christian, we might talk about the world of sin and engaging in sin and falling into sin. If you're not a Christian, if you're not even a Bible person, you're not, you don't believe that, you're just trying to figure out where you're at. At the very least, I think we can resonate with the idea that temptation is designed for your failure, however you would define that, even your own moral failure. For the Christian, we will say as Christians that temptation is designed to get you to fall into some kind of sin that breaks a relationship between you and God, breaks a relationship between you and someone else, or even breaks, in a way, your own commitment to to purity and to who you are individually. So temptation is an alluring trap designed for your failure. And so how do we kind of get over top of this? I love what um, David Brooks says in the New York Times. I don't know much about David Brooks. I don't even know if he's a Christian or not. But this issue of temptation is not just an issue for the church. Brooks wrote about this in his article uh, in March 2012, and he said this, 
in the 19th century, there was a hydraulic model of how to be a good person. There are all these torrents of passion flowing through you. Your job as captain of your soul is to erect dams to keep these passions in check. Your job is just to say no to sloth, lust, greed, drug use, and the other sins. Sermons could really help. They could help you identify sin. Preachers could exhort you to exercise the willpower you need to ward off temptation. These days, he writes, that that model is out of fashion. You usually can't change your behavior by simply resolving to do something. If that were true, New Year's resolutions would actually work. Knowing what to do is not the same as being able to do it. If that were true, people would find it easier to lose weight. Your willpower is not like a dam that can block the torrent of self-indulgence. It's more like a muscle which tires easily. Agree with some of what he has to say and others, but let's have a conversation. The end, I think, is very helpful. It's more like a muscle, your willpower. You saw the stretch of the muscle with the marshmallows. Like, I'm getting tired of waiting how much longer. And at some point, that muscle is going to go. When that happens, what do we do? How do we handle it? And how we walk through our faith and how we walk in relationships with one another, even in how we do our work. Now, uh, every now and then when I get up here, I tell you that we're about to enter like the cheese zone, all right? And we're about to enter um, a... a uh, a period in which I have worked on trying to communicate something in words that actually end up being rather cheesy. All right, we're going to be walking into one of those moments right now. Okay, as I was trying to figure out how to communicate the point for this morning. All right, I first began thinking, you know, what's the best way to put this into words? I'm like, well, maybe I can put it this way: stand tall, don't fall. Like, that's kind of cute. That's isn't that kind of cute. I mean, that kind of rhymes, and it was kind of cute. And then I'm like, I don't really like that, so I'm going to go this way. Be wise, don't compromise. I'm like, hey, it also rhymes. Now, by that point in my week, I was like, I'm just locked into this rhyming thing, and I had to stay with it. I didn't like the first one, and I didn't really like the second one, but I was just kind of locked into it. it has to rhyme. So just so you know, this is where this final thing comes from. Third time, it might be either the strike or third time's the charm. I don't know. You get to decide if this is helpful. This is the third effort of mine to try to get it together. This is what I think, if you take nothing else, take this. A little bit longer, a little bit whatever, but you'll see it rhymes, and it's a little bit cheesy, but let's work on that. All right, here we go. When we ignore, assume, and hide, we will be taken for a ride. I had to, I just couldn't stop with the rhyming, okay? When we ignore, assume, and hide, we'll be taken for a ride. We're going to look at those three issues this morning. When we ignore things, when we assume something we hide from, you're guaranteed to be taken for a ride. And the ride that you'll be taken on is the ride not for your benefit or your success, but a ride for your failure. No question about it. So if you have a Bible, I'd like to invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible around you, no problem. There's a, with you, there's a Bible in the pew around you. That is our gift to you, by the way. We'd love to have you take that home uh, and, and engage the life of God in reading uh, the scriptures there. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, you can find that in the New Testament, uh, second half of your Bible, second third of your Bible. Uh, Paul wrote this little letter to 1 Corinthians. Uh, feel free to look into the table of contents or look it up on your tablet or mobile device or whatever. 1 Corinthians 10, 11 to 15. I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. That will show up on NIV if you read in digitally there. Um, 
you'll find that there, right? First Corinthians chapter 10, beginning at verse 11. I'm going to read um, the passage that we will cover for three weeks, the whole thing, from verses 11 down to 15. This morning, we're going to just um, cover a portion of it. Next week, more, and the third week, the final deal, all right? So here's Paul writing. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. And so, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Verse 13. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people, Judge for yourselves what I say. All right. We're going to cover this morning just verses 11 to 13a, the first sentence in verse 13. By way of background, um, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and a very uh, wealthy city, very uh, influential city, people who were engaged in all kinds of trade and commerce and education. They were creators of culture. Um, very kind of cutting-edge city, and there's a lot of new believers in the city of Corinth who are trying to figure out, how do we live? And Paul begins to write to them about some very practical things, and this temptation issue is one of them that he writes to them about. And the first thing that he says in verse 11 is this, these things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of ages has come. And so, I'm going to say this first, that we will fall into temptation. We will fall when we ignore examples from the past. We will fall when we ignore examples from the past. Here's Paul writing to the church in Corinth, and he says, guys, do you remember, um, do you remember how in the Old Testament, in your Jewish background, there was a whole generation of people who were given all the benefits of relationship to God? Like God came to them, um, revealed himself to them, entered into a covenant relationship with them, gave them the Ten Commandments, and yet, imagine this, a whole generation of people who had all the benefits of relationship with God walked away, were tempted not to believe, were tempted to give up. Remember only two people, remember this, Joshua and Caleb believed they could take the land. The other ten spies thought we can't do it, and the entire nation was swayed to believe we can't do it. And the entire nation walked away and was punished. Remember that? The people were given all the benefits, and they chose to walk away. Hey, do you remember Moses? The guy who so faithfully followed God. The guy who, who met with God, who saw the presence of God on the mount, right? I mean, who was the only one, we can kind of say, who saw God and survived. Remember that guy? Remember he was tempted in anger? to take his stick and bash the rock when they were in the wilderness, and he did it, and he acted out of anger, and he failed. Remember that? He's saying these, these were given as examples for us to remember. Don't ignore the past. Don't ignore the people who had so much and yet failed to do the right thing with it. And this is why Paul will write, if you have chapter 10 open, Back up to the end of chapter 9, look at verses 26 and 27. Paul writes there, he says, Therefore I do not run like a man running aimlessly. 
I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. In other words, guys, I remember the history. I am no better than the people around me who have failed before. The only way for me to not lose and to give in to these temptations, number one, is to not ignore the really great people the really great people who had really good things going for them, who also failed. And that is an incredibly sobering reality. So let me encourage you, first of all, this way. If we don't remember the examples of the past, I think we know this old adage, if you don't learn the lessons of history, you're destined or doomed to repeat it, right? So here's what I'd love for you to do. I'm going to allow you a moment to do this. This is going to be fun. This is play a long time now, okay? Um, I'd like you, in your mind, to think, you don't even need to write this down right now, but I'd like you to think of the one thing that you wish you could just root out of your heart and out of your life. You just wish, this is a temptation, this is a struggle, this is a default behavior I wish wasn't there, I'm going to wrestle with, I wish I could get rid of, if I could push a button, it would be gone. It's drawing me down in relationships, it's not helping me grow in my business work, it is, help, it is ruining my marriage, my intimacy, it's kind of killing my spiritual walk right now with God, it just, it's, kind of, it's just always there, and I wish that I could root that thing out, it would be amazing, I'd be a new person if I could get on top of this. I want you to get that in your mind, all right? Now, I want you to take that further, and I want you to think of somebody whom you know, either know personally or know of, who has also wrestled with that issue and lost. Someone who's a worrier, someone who's angry, someone who's fallen into temptation in some other way. Right now... I'm serious about this. So in order to help you, because this is a big moment for me, and I hope a big moment for you, in order to help you, I want to give you a moment to think about this. Think about what you can unroot and who it is in particular. Think about the name of the person, someone else who's fallen into this. Are you ready? I'm going to give you a moment to think about that. Are we kind of little, can we play along? Okay, ready? That person in your mind, okay, with that person in your mind, let me ask you this. Do they want to be in your mind right now? Like if you were to, to tell them when they were younger, your future story is going to be that you're going to serve as a negative example for me. Do you think they'd be like, ah, oh, it's great exactly what I was hoping for, that my life could serve as a future example of failure for someone else not to step into. Paul's first comment here is, listen, remember and don't ignore the people who have walked before, who have become, because they have, for whatever reason, fallen into the temptation that is grabbing you, have become a negative example 
for other people. And as you think about the reality of the person that you have in your mind, let me ask you this. Do you ever want to be that person for somebody else? Obviously, no. I mean, who would ever say, yes, that's what I would like to be? And that's what I like to do. I'd like to be that person for somebody else. And here's Paul's first inclination. Listen, don't ignore, don't ignore the examples from the past. Don't ignore it. We fall when we do that. And then he goes secondarily here in verse 12. And so, he says, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Don't ignore the examples from the past. And secondly, we fall when we assume that our footing is solid. We fall when we assume that our footing is solid. Here's the truth, and I think you know this, that our habits and our choices always need reviewed. I would ask you this question. If you're wrestling with something that continues to work you over and you just can't get on top of, who is it that can speak truth into your life? When is the last time that you've had a friend or a spouse even speak correction to you? Speak into your life and say, listen, you think your footing is solid, but it's not. Why do you think you continue to wrestle with worry? Why do you think you continue to wrestle with anger? Why do you think you continue to wrestle with sexual immorality? Why do you think you continue to wrestle with substance overdose and abuse? Why do you think you continue to wrestle with perfectionistic tendencies? Why do you think you have these tendencies? Listen, if you continue to wrestle with the same things, your footing is not solid. It's just not. Like There are things that you're doing in life that aren't wise. There are default behaviors that you have that aren't healthy. You think, and I think, we're doing pretty well. We're making wise decisions on a daily basis. But Paul is saying here, don't think that your footing is solid. Don't assume that just because you're not trying to fail, that you won't fail. Don't assume that your footing is solid. And so the question has to come, who is a trusted voice in your life who can speak into your life at a real, honest, ongoing level to say, hey, you, you really want to get over your anger problem? You, you really want to get over the overspending? You really want to pull out of the debt that you're in? I mean, you really want to have a marriage that isn't going down the tubes in a matter of a couple of years? Do you really want to get over that? Because right now, that's where you're going. The, the alluring trap of temptation is just to continue to move in that direction. Do you really want to get over that? Then don't assume that the things that you're doing right now is solid. They're just not, I don't know how we can defend that it would be. If I continually am impatient with my children, there's something wrong with my footing. Right? But who is going to speak that to me? Don't assume that you don't need the voices from other people to speak in to where you most need it. This is painful. Don't assume that your footing is solid. Learn from the examples of the past. Don't be somebody else's bad example. But secondarily, don't assume that your footing is solid. Don't assume that you're wise enough to make the right decisions. Don't assume that you can figure out how to get over it. The reason you're still wrestling with it is you haven't figured out how to get over it. Don't assume your footing is solid. Now, number three, here in verse 13. He says this, and it's an amazing statement. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. You see what he's, how he puts that there? Um, the third statement is this. We fall when we hide our struggles from others. When we 
We fall when we hide our struggles from others. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. Isn't this the nature of temptation? To hide our struggles because we're ashamed or embarrassed. To present to you a finished product that's actually better than what it really is. I want you to believe the best about me. I don't want to lay out all my shame in front of you. Therefore, I'm going to hide and try to figure it out on my own. But look at the language of verse 13. No temptation has seized you except what is, what's the next word? Common to man. Some of you may need to memorize this verse and have that reshape your heart. Some of you, I'm going to just say this, are trying to save yourselves and not allow Jesus Christ to save you. Some of you are trying to come to God having already presented yourself as good enough. I'm only going to come to Him after I get over my sin, after I pull myself together, after I clean up, after I justify myself, then I'm going to come to Him. And here's Paul saying, listen, you're struggling with something? Welcome to the world. Welcome to the club. No temptation has seized you, and make no mistake, it seizes, it grabs, it holds, and it drags, and it pulls. And habits help develop that. But no temptation to seize you except what is common to man. Do you know what that means? Other people wrestle with the same things. You are not alone. And so do not hide from the things that are drawing you down. Do not hide the tendencies. Do not hide the fear. Don't hide the unforgiveness. Don't hide the anger. Don't hide the struggle to believe. Don't hide this. Now, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And so when we ignore examples from the past, assume that our footing is solid, and hide, we're going to be taken for a ride. And the ride that you're going to be taken on is the ride toward continual self-destruction. So here's what Paul says. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. The same way that Jesus dealt with temptation himself. You're going to see that in a few weeks in the book of Hebrews. That Jesus encountered temptation in his humanity. He encountered it and yet won. This is an amazing reminder for us. Temptation for us is always a chance for growth. There's no doubt about that. There was a fellow named John Elliott who was a Cambridge-educated pastor of a Congregationalist church near Boston for more than 50 years. And he's remembered primarily for his work in cross-cultural missions. John Eliot, um, who lived from 1604 to 1690, uh, ministered among the Algonquin and other tribes along the eastern seaboard and helped produce the first complete Bible in an American language. And he said this about temptation. This is going to be old language. Uh, but very insightful from someone who lived in the 1600s. said this, A stone hewed by the axe and hammer of temptations is fit to be built into a gospel church. A stone hewed by the axe 
and hammer of temptations is fit to be built into a gospel church. Old language, for sure. But you see what he's saying. The temptation is always going to shape you one way or the other. It always will. It'll shape us either by giving into and falling into or by coming over top of and conquering. And his point, well taken, temptation provides a chance for growth, yes. But the kind of growth that you want to shape you into a person who can exemplify the gospel is one who's willing to bear under the pressure of the temptation and wait for what will be. Wait for what God might have. The shaping, the moving, the challenge. Isn't this the marshmallow story? You may or may not know that it was Walter Mischel, or Michelle, who in the late 1960s, um, he was the one who oversaw a study based out of Stanford University on marshmallows. <laughs> really on marshmallows and preschoolers. And his parameters were simple in this study. And it was this. Put a marshmallow on a table, remove all the distractions from the room, bring the preschooler in, tell them that they can have this marshmallow now or wait 10 minutes and we'll give you two. And he did this over the course of years. He actually tracked, here's where this gets interesting, he tracked these kids for decades who he studied in this marshmallow test. And he wrote a book 40 years later and he called it The Marshmallow Test, Mastering Self-Control. Strange title, unless you know the background. And Mitchell found this. He found that children that were able to withstand temptation and wait for another treat were more likely to have higher SAT scores, achieve higher educational degrees, earn more money, and have a lower body mass index, an indication of healthy weight. Interesting. All because of a marshmallow. Because the axe and the hammer of temptations builds you into something. The point of this this temptation is going to provide you with the opportunity for growth to become the person that I believe that you want to be. But the alluring trap is, here's the easy way out now. Anger is the easy way out now. Giving in to sexual immorality, that's the easy way out now. You'll get what you want. But overeating is the easy way out now. Overspending, that's the easy way out now. Holding a grudge, that's the easy way out now. Choosing to become something for somebody else and not stepping into who I am and just being tempted to pull back from my identity. That's the easy way out now. The gospel message says, learn from the examples of the past. Don't assume you're on good footing. Don't hide and trust your Savior. Don't try to make yourself good enough. Don't try to do that. Don't try to save yourself. Beating temptation requires a healthy, healthy dose of humility. It just requires that. I don't know how to, to get around that. To acknowledge our weakness, to acknowledge our failures and our flaws. It just requires that. To summarize it this way. To have a fighting chance, don't ignore, assume, or hide, and you won't be taken for a ride. To have a fighting chance, don't ignore... Assume or hide and you won't be taken for a ride. And, and here's my hope for you, okay? Here's my hope for you. I don't want in this series, in this 
passage of Scripture that all of a sudden you can just kick a habit. Like, I don't think that's good enough. I don't think it's enough just to say, now I no longer struggle with that, and here we go, that's great. I don't want just that. I mean, I hope for that, yes, if that helps you, good. But I want that, and I want more. I want that, and I want you to say in the middle of this temptation, in the middle of this struggle, in the middle of the stuff that you're tempted to do and tempted to fall into and is just continuing to come around you, I hope that it becomes a time when you can remind yourself, you can be reminded of the hope of the gospel, okay? That while we are still in our sins, Christ died for us. That we are a people, we're a people who need a Savior and that we are not good enough for that. Like, I, I hope, I hope that as you engage with this struggle of the private, usually private, personal willpower fight and your muscle gets tired, and you know it's not as easy as raise the dam and stop the passion from flowing, just not that easy, that like the kids in the clip, that marshmallow is sitting there and it looks so good, and maybe if I just take a little bite, maybe I eat around the edge and put it down, smell it, whack it, there it goes. The willpower wears down. And maybe listening to a message here, you might be good for a week. You might be less impatient, less angry for a week or two, maybe, 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 maybe a month. But here's what you probably feel if you're honest. Like, I am who I am. I've been fighting this forever. How am I going to get over this? And as simple as this sounds, as simple as it sounds, I want to encourage you. Don't ignore the people from the past who have failed. Don't be someone's future negative example. Don't assume that you have the wisdom to beat it on your own. Don't hide in relationship with one another in working this through. That the gospel of Jesus Christ is that invitation to say, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. And so at the end of the day, the struggle with temptation is not just a struggle to kick a habit. It's a struggle to kick self-reliance. It's a struggle to kick me being God. And it's a struggle to kick my selfish tendency to think that I can do this thing on my own. And so as this gets down into your heart, and I hope for you, we can understand what temptation targets, have tools to fight it, and hope to keep going. Next week, when we gather together, we're going to see the role of God in this, what he does and what he doesn't do in fighting temptation. Will you pray with me? Our good God and Heavenly Father, thank you for your word here, the chance just to drop into a small passage of Scripture, to step into examples from the past and to see how you have worked in the past sometimes in helpful sometimes through the examples of people who have failed help us to remember lord those who have gone before us who have failed that we can kind of sober up and recognize that our future needs to be different help us not to assume that we're wise enough to work this thing out on our own and help us not to hide from those around us whom we need 
to step into in relationship with. May you continue to drive us toward your good news in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we can kick self-reliance and step into reliance on you as our Savior. Father, we love you. We thank you for the time that we can share. We pray this in Jesus' name.